God, I pray that you would speak to us tonight. I think that you have something specific that you want to do in our hearts, and I pray that you would come speak through your word, that you would open our hearts to what you have to say in Jesus' name. Amen. So um, we're into 1 John 4. We're, we're getting there. You're like, I thought 1 John was a short book. <laughs> um, not what Christian teaches it. Slow it down. I did like 25 verses last week, all right? That's a lot. Um, and, and may have skipped a few at the end to get around to four. So don't check your Bibles. But First John 4, if you have your Bible, you can open it. First John 4, or if you have a phone, or you can look behind me. And um, so what's going to happen tonight is I'm going to share for a little bit, but I have some other people who are going to come up and share too, which is really exciting. I'm going to try to keep my part pretty concise so they have some room to speak and we can still eat. Um, but here's, here's the verses for tonight. Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone into the world. And this is how you can recognize the spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God, but every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard is coming and even now is in the world. You, dear children, are from God and have overcome them. So remember, just briefly, last week, he had just built this whole identity around being children of God. And that that's who our fu- uh, how our future is established. It's all our future and our calling is all found in him. Our freedom is found in him. How we love one another is found in being sons and daughters of God. So he's pointing back to it again. Children, um, we are from God. We have overcome them, which is both the spirits and I think the false prophets, the spirit that motivates the false prophets, because the one who is in you and I is greater than the one who is in the world. They are from the world and therefore speak from the viewpoint of the world and the world listens to them. We are from God and whoever knows God listens to us, but whoever is not from God does not listen to us. This is how we recognize the spirit of truth and the spirit of falsehood. That's a lot. That's a lot. I've read that quite a few times this week and it's it's always hard to figure out, you know, we've done this a couple of times, but what is the author saying, the author's intent, and how do we apply it to our lives are often two different things. Okay, they shouldn't be like radically different. But um, so real briefly, I think what the author is talking about here, what John's talking about is he's cautioning against a very specific false teaching that was kind of coming in. You know, they would, they would raise up these churches and move on. And then these, sometimes Judaizers would come in, sometimes Gnostics would come in, different kinds of false teaching would come in. So there was a very specific one that was, um, these were believers in Jesus, but they were so Im- amazed by all the... Uh, the resurrection of Jesus and his many wonderful miracles and all of that, that they came to believe that he, he didn't actually exist on earth in flesh. That even though all these people had seen him, like they were part of the people who had seen him, because this is like within their lifetime still, that it must have been some sort of like um, a mirage of him, like, a, like a, an apparition of him, that he couldn't have actually had flesh. He was a spiritual representation of a man, but he couldn't have been flesh. Crazy, right? That's very interesting. Very interesting that what they struggled with in those days was not the divinity of Jesus. It was the humanity. Like they were arguing about whether he was really a human. Nowadays, people argue about the divinity, whether he was really divine. It's interesting how that's shifted over time. But at that, at that point, they were like, there's no way. He was obviously God. That's what they were saying. He was obviously God. We're questioning whether he was a man. 
And John was saying, listen, you, we can't believe that. It's important that you know that he was fully man and fully God, right? So that's really specifically the pedal he's pressing. A little difficult to really apply that specific thing to our lives today, but we can generalize that. And the, and the real message is this. You and I live in a world where there are two major forces coming at us at all times. There is a spirit of falsehood. There's a spirit of the world, a spirit of the Antichrist, which is like, you know, all that's against Jesus or anti-anointing, because Christ is the anointed one. Um, all, all that is in the enemy's camp is moving against us. And um, we have been given all the power and authority to stand against that. But I think the first point to realize is that, yes, you're in a battle. Like, you and I live in a spiritual battle zone. We are not only living in it, we're not like bystanders, but we're participants in it. Whether we want to be or not. I mean, whether you engage or not, you're under fire. You and I are, are in the battle. And we've been actually just, ironically, we started a, um, a month about the kingdom of light versus the kingdom of darkness at youth group. And we were talking about how, how crazy it would be if you were a soldier, okay, like in, in a war zone, like in Afghanistan, and you were like, you know what? I don't believe that we're at war. I, I don't think so. I don't believe in that kind of stuff. And you just like walked around out in the battle zone without your gun, without your armor on. You just like went out there. Like you wouldn't last for very long, right? You have to know that you're in a war. We have to understand. So he's saying, listen, don't believe every spirit. Don't believe every message that comes from culture. Don't believe every thought that comes to your mind. Don't believe every feeling that you have in any given moment. Don't even believe, you know, every teaching or, or, or prophetic words. Like, we're to take all those things and take them before the word of God, I think, and the body of Christ to find the truth. And so he's saying, listen, you can't just be, you can't just receive everything. You have to filter because there's a lot of messages coming our way all the time. A lot of messages coming our way. Two weeks ago, I was having, there, there's like some decisions that I'm like praying about and wrestling with. And I, I got into a place where I was just feeling really down about one particular thing. And so I know this isn't the best story because I can't tell you what it is. But um, so one thing in my life that I'm wrestling with, and I was, I was feeling discouraged and kind of like, oh, like that. Have you ever felt like that? And um, so I purposed that weekend to like go on a couple runs and listen to some teachings. And just when I run, I can really concentrate. I can pray. I can listen to some teachings. And um, I've asked the Lord to like bring some very specific words to me. And he did. And I, I realized that I was really under attack. And it was, he pointed out specifically what it was. It was like the, a fear of man was this thing that I have wrestled with for a long time in my life and wanting to please people and all that good stuff. And he just, this teaching, I didn't know that's what it was going to be about, but it just like zeroed in. I was like, that is it. That's like literally what I'm struggling with. And like there were very, like I had said some things to Mandy that I was struggling with. And in this teaching, he said verbatim a couple of those very words that I had said to her. I was like, whoa. And I realized that I, I had just been kind of like come under what the enemy was doing to me instead of resisting it. Like there was thoughts and feelings that were coming and I hadn't filtered them. I hadn't asked, is this God? Is this you, Lord? I'd just been like, oh, yeah, oh, and like tried to wrestle with it, like in my own mind, like, oh, let me think about that. Oh, I should really think, you know, hmm, it's a good point. You know, instead of, instead of like, it'd be a lot easier if you could see the enemy and he came up and told you things and you, you wouldn't be like, mm, that's a good point, right? But um, so we're called to like test the spirits, right? He says, in anything that's not of Christ. So Christ is the standard. Jesus, his word, his person, right? It says in Colossians that Christ in him lives all the fullness of God. 
So we look at him and his life and his teachings, and he is kind of the standard that we can uh, measure all this stuff up against. So, you know, Ephesians 6, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against rulers, authorities, cosmic powers of this present darkness. Like, we have a clear and present danger. We live in a battle zone. We have an enemy. I mean, you and I. 1 Peter 5.8, I, I think about this verse all the time. And I taught on this when I was really young. I still think about it all the time. Be sober and be watchful because your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. There is not a benign enemy. There is not just, oh, there's evil in the world. No, there is like a personality behind the evil in the world. A personality that, is, that hates you and I as Christians and wants to work to destroy all things that are God. Destroy the kingdom of God. Destroy his people. And so, our lives, our relationships, our hopes and dreams, our health, our kids, our marriages, our ministries, our callings are in the crosshairs of a, of a smart and, you know, powerful enemy who doesn't just sit back and say, I hate you all, you know? It says that he's actively hunting us. He's looking for yours and my weaknesses. He knows when to press that button in your heart. You know, when are you vulnerable? When you're tired or when you're stressed or, you know, like, when are you vulnerable? He knows. He's watching. He studies you and me. So you have to understand this. I think that this is like a a Christian teaching that maybe isn't super popular, but we're lucky to be in the barn because this is actually, I think, a heritage of Bruce and his teaching. This is something, if you've been in the barn for a while, you've heard before. But it does change how you live your life. You know, if you start opening your eyes a little bit and seeing some of the things happening around you and just saying, instead of just like life happening to you, you start to be like, wait a second. You know, maybe that's the enemy. Like that feels off. That feels different. I had a, some people come for prayer recently and they were just telling me that we're in this situation, but stuff just shifted a while ago and it's weird. And it feels like we don't know why. Like it's gotten really confusing. So we prayed about it and we're like, yeah, this feels like the enemy. Like he's just kind of gotten in and, and stirred things up and made things like, confusing and difficult. And so one way to fight the enemy is to know him, to have knowledge of who he is. I, and I've been doing a study with the youth group about who the enemy is. I just want to run through these real quick. All right. You know, in, um, in this the old ancient Chinese book, The Art of War, it tells you to know your enemy. I looked that up. All right. So if you know your enemy, you can know how to defeat him. And here's what's tricky about the enemy. Second Corinthians says that Satan masquerades like an angel of light. Right. So he doesn't he doesn't just come like full like force in your face like, nah, and you're like, oh, it's clearly the enemy, right? He's sneaky about it. He uses things that look good. He masquerades like an angel of light. I mean, that's in the Bible. So we have to have the gift of discernment, right? So he tempts us. He lies to us. It says in John 8 that he's the father of lies. And when he lies, he's speaking of native, his native language. John 10 says that he's a thief. He comes to steal. You know, if you, you've ever had those days, I mean, this is like maybe a low-level attack from the enemy, but you have those days where you just wake up and you're just in a bad mood, right? And someone's stolen your joy. You have no reason to be in a bad mood. You're just there and you think, man, I'm oppressed. There's something going on here. He, um, he brings sickness, you know, Luke 13, Jesus talks about this woman that Satan had bound for 13 years. It was, he points out Satan brought this sickness. Now, I believe all sickness is a result of the fall and not from Jesus, not from God. And I believe some sickness is directly demonic in the moment. 
And so sometimes you're praying for healing, and what you really need to be doing is praying for deliverance, to break them free. So sickness, you know, I mean, have you had a persistent sickness in your family? Have you ever thought, you know, and let's shift gears from praying for healing to praying for deliverance? This is the enemy. Have you had persistent financial problems? Have you had persistent marital problems? Like, if you have things that seem to recur, it's oftentimes a stronghold of the enemy. He oppresses people. Mark 5, we, we have a horrible story of this guy whose life was just dominated by the enemy. And Ephesians 6 tells us that he creates plans to attack us. He's a strategizing enemy. He keeps people from salvation. He destroys their destiny. Now, I'm running through these because I want to hear the other people talk. Um, so, when you see these things happening in your life, this is part of how you can discern. You know, like, um, I, w- I wanted to write a book, and I-, I might do it someday, but other things have risen to the top of the list. But I wanted to write a book called God's Not Like That. Because a lot of times I've, I hear people talking about God in ways that I'm pretty sure God's not like that. Mostly Mandy. But, um, you know, like, that's not God. God wouldn't, God, you know, God wouldn't use fear or intimidation. Like, God, w- you know, there's things that you look at it, and you're like, this is Satan. This is the enemy. You know, you wake up from a horrible dream and, and it's like a horrible dream of something horrible happening in your family. And you're like, was that God? No. Like the enemy comes and brings, he, you know, if you've got those really horrible, disgusting, terrible nightmare dreams, like that's the enemy. So it's part of understanding like what's the enemy? What's myself? What's God? What's the world? And then when you can find out what the enemy is, you can resist him. Because the Bible tells us that when we resist him, he will flee from us. And we've been given all authority. So if you read like the rest of that, he says, he who is in you is greater. He who is in you is greater. And that's really the key verse that I wanted to hear tonight. It's not just, hey, you're in this battle, but he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. So we have a couple people who are going to share now um, stories from their life of how God who is in them has been greater than the enemy. So Claire, you want to go first? Do you want to be up on the stage or down the floor? Okay, I'm going to sit down. Okay. <laughs> um, so when Christian texted this week and I was trying to think of something to share, I was reminded of, um, it's kind of like a long process that's happened, but um, when, um, it was, I guess it was like back in the fall almost, be two years ago this fall, I felt like God was really stirring in my heart a word for our church about compassion. And, and, um, and it was one of those words that was just, you know, really strong in me. And I felt like it was something to step out in and, and bring to the church. And literally the the week that I sat down to start prepping it back in the fall, um, I my dad had an accident. And I, I was sat down. And for me, um, my family on the other side of the ocean is one of those things that, like, if he's going to get at me and he's going to rock me off my ground, it's going to be my family on the other side of the ocean from here. Or sickness, because sickness is an area that brings fear for me. And um, so anyway, I sit down to prep this teaching. I can remember sitting at the kitchen table the first morning to do it. And I get this text and it's an air ambulance and my dad's on the way to the hospital. And he turned out to be okay, <laughs> but it rocked me. And I remember sitting in that moment thinking, I have a choice right now. I can totally freak out and not bring this word or I can choose to focus on the one who's victorious over any plan of the enemy. And I can continue to prep this teaching and know that my peace is in God and that I can receive all of who he is. And so then I brought, and then they asked me to bring it to the whole church. And no joke, the night before I brought that in January, my grandmom 
and got this diagnosis of bone cancer and was given six weeks to live. That's rock clear again. It was just, it was just the timing of it is always so like unbelievable. But the thing that always strikes me is that verse about how the enemy wants to steal and destroy and take our peace and our joy. And, and I don't know if he causes those things. I don't know any of that, but I do know that he had, he uses those things to press it in our heart and cause fear to rise and to knock us and to believe that he's not good. And so for me, what is amazing is I came on that Sunday morning and I gave that teaching and we saw a blast of compassion start in this church. And I, that, that is God having the victory, right? And, and even as family promise started, I, I've started to get sick literally the same week that we said yes to family promise. I started to get symptoms. And again, it's like I get to choose. Do I keep my eyes on Jesus? Do I say he is always victorious? He is my peace and my joy. And I'm going to do family promise regardless. You can make me sick and I can be crippled and I can do all those things. But I am going to do family promise because that's what God has said. And you don't get the chance to knock me sideways. So we get to receive all of who God is because he is the same regardless, right? The enemy can try and knock us sideways and he can try and blow our worlds up around us. But ultimately, the one who is in us is greater and and we get to participate in the fullness of who God is regardless. So I think uh, Christian was rushing because he knew he asked me and he <laughs> to speak. So I'll try to keep this really quick because I don't know if there's anybody else besides me. <laughs> so, sorry. Okay. So I'll make this real quick. So um, I have I had when he asked me to do this, I had like a million things that I could have brought up. Uh, I feel like my life has been like one long struggle, uh, which I guess is a good thing because that means that God's doing something. Um, but. Recently, my brother came up from North Carolina, my biological brother, um, and we got we, we got some time to kind of reflect on what God has done in our family. Um, so, for those of you don't, that don't know me, um, I was um, my my biological brother and I were adopted into a family, and our childhood was a little rough. Um, <laughs> and I'll, I'll like uh, condense that into one sentence, <laughs> but. Um, but basically, you know, um, Satan had a plans to destroy my my parents, and he did a good job of it. Um, my mom ended up running out, and my dad, you know, um, turned to alcohol. Um, and so that was like a really young age for me. And then for, from that on, you know, that period of time on, um, it was basically him um, being an alcoholic and, and me living in the car, dealing with that, you know, and going from, you know, motel to motel, you know, as he couldn't pay the bills. Um, which is very interesting because uh, a couple weeks ago, um, the church ministered to a motel on 40. And I told Heather, I said, I swear I lived in this motel. Um, and so my brother came up from North Carolina, and, you know, we got some time to talk. And I'm like, Tom, you know, our church was able to, like, minister to this church, to this uh, motel on 40. And I feel like we lived there. And he said, basically every motel on 40 and 13 we lived at. Um, it was literally uh, every week we were going to another motel. Um, so, you know, that was just an instance of God saying, you know, what, what Satan, what you have planned for destruction and for death um, and to steal away, you know, I've, I've planned for good. You know, and so I got to minister to people that I was in that situation many years ago. 
Um, the final part to that is my brother has come up, and he's recently uh, adopted two children. Um, one's name is Alex, and the other's name is Christian. <laughs> Both very good names. Um, but again, you know, God has redeemed Tom's life and my life in a way that he could have never done had we not gone through that struggle. You know, and God looks ahead years and years and years, years ahead and says, you know, I got this. Um, so I just want to praise him. So. All right. It's really hard to follow that with anything. <clears throat> if that was a little hard. <laughs> um, okay, so I, I want to end because I want us to be able to, to honor the goal of community night, which is hanging out together. But what I was hoping to accomplish with this teaching was not, you know, sometimes when you teach about the enemy, you end up glorifying the enemy. Um, and it's not that. I want us to be aware so that we can join Jesus. Remember what he said in uh, the chapter before was Jesus came to destroy the works of the enemy, right? So we're called to be part of that mission in each other's lives and in the lives of people in the world. Um, and so just a couple verses. I'm just going to briefly touch on them. Ephesians 1 talks about how Jesus um, has been raised from the dead and God has seated him far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked. And God has placed all things under his feet. All things under his feet. Colossians 2, it tells us that when he raised from the dead, he disarmed the powers and authorities, that's talking about the enemy, and made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over, the cro- triumphing over them by the cross. So this is he who is in us. He has overcome all the power of the enemy, his, the name above all names, the king of kings, everything has been placed under his feet and he's disarmed the power of the enemy. He's taken away the power of the enemy. And then he says that he's given that to us. And there's like verses upon verses that we could talk about that talk about that. You know, the spirit who raised Jesus from the dead is the same spirit that's in you, right? Or, or Luke 10 is one of my favorites where he sends the disciples out to heal and tell people about the, you know, repentance. And he doesn't tell them to cast out demons. But while they're out doing kingdom work, they start casting out demons. Because that's what happens when you do, you know, the kingdom work. And they came back and they tell him, and he's so happy. He's like, you know, I saw Satan fall. You know, I saw that, right? But I've, and I've given you this authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy, Nothing will harm you. And then he, it's like almost remembering Satan falling from heaven and, you know, the pride associated. He's like, however, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice your names are written in heaven. But he's saying, like, this is my mission and who I am, and I'm giving it to you. And so I know sometimes life doesn't feel like I've been given authority to overcome all the power of the enemy. I know if we're honest, it doesn't feel like that moment to moment. But that's why it's, important to hear testimonies. And you know, what's really interesting about testimony, I really am going to end, but you know, Revelation talks about our power. One of our great weapons over the enemy is the power of our testimony. And I think it's because hearing things like this, the, the long haul helps us when the moment to moment doesn't feel like we're really overcoming because it sometimes is a process. 
You know, so I think God wants to encourage us today. If you're in a battle right now, you know, encourage you not to give up and, and not to uh, give in to the enemy, um, but to stay strong. You know, and sometimes staying strong means welcoming other people into those struggles so that we can pray for each other and encourage each other. But the truth is that he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world, and he will have victory, even if it takes years. I mean, Alex's story is a long story. And, and a lot of the fruit that he even was waiting for and didn't even know he was waiting for took years to come to pass. So you may be in one of those times. You may be waiting, and that's not super encouraging, but the encouraging thing is that God is going to bring it to pass, but sometimes his timing takes a while. So um, let's pray. God, I pray in Jesus' name for all, all of us who are wrestling against the enemy in different ways, whether it be ministry or life-related or job-related. God, I pray that you would help us to um, really see where the enemy is working, God, that we wouldn't be blind to it, and that we would stand against the ways of the enemy, that we would rise up in the authority that you've given us, God, that we would pray in the power of the name of Jesus, God, that we would move against the enemy with our decisions and our actions and how we live our life, God, that we would say no to the enemy over our lives and over our families' lives, God. I pray we would experience more and more victory, God, of you being in us and being greater than the things that come against us from the world. God, I pray you would just encourage us and strengthen us in Jesus' name. Amen.